Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Over a year ago, I went to the doctors. I think it was to get some in, injections or something with regard to traveling. And uh, then the nurse said, um, would you like to get on the scales? And I thought, that's an unusual request. I'm only here for injections. But she kind of insisted. So I got on the scales and, uh, and I looked. I'm sure her scales were completely wrong. <laughs> and then um, after she did that, then she said, OK, now uh, let's take your blood pressure. Some blood pressure. And she went, she kind of went, oh. She isn't good, is it? And, uh, and she said, um, I think we might need to monitor you, to put it like this monitor thing on overnight. And I was like, oh, no, you don't. Because yeah. that will mean I won't be able to sleep. <laughs> you know, I'll be worrying and everything. So uh, anyway, I said no thanks. And uh, then I determined I would kind of lose a bit of weight. That was what I thought. I, I decided I was going to. I even said a little prayer on the way home. Lord, help me to lose some weight. Amen. And... Uh, <laughs> And it didn't happen. No. I know God didn't answer that prayer. What we know what what's going on? Why wouldn't God just answer that prayer? Why didn't God just do it? Um, well, He didn't do it. Anyway, I want to start by asking you: if you get your phone out, or if you've got an old school calendar to do that, and uh, diary, write down, have a look at on your phone. A date, the 10th of May this year. Come on, everybody do it. I know you've got phones. Don't pretend you haven't. 10th of May this year. Just look at that date on the 10th of May this year and put in 52 days. Or 52-day challenge. 52 days from now. That's the 10th of May. It's going to come. Chances are you'll probably be here. What are you going to have done by then? What's going to be different by then? What, what could you have done? that's going to be different? What could you have done that's big? What could you have done that's scary? What could you have done that like, just seems impossible? And what, could you do, what could you have done between now and then, 52 days, that is huge and scary and only God can do it and it would be amazing? Are you going to do anything like that? Or is it just going to be a few more days and then a, few, a couple of months and then it'll be the same as? Two months from now, just over, what great thing will you have done? What great thing could you have done between now and then? Could you really do something great for God? Or even if you're not like with the God thing yet, you're new to all of this, you're still checking it out. Well, just for people, not for yourself. What could you do that will make a big benefit in other people's lives or in the world? What could you do between now and that date in 52 days? Because you're looking at it, you're thinking, well, it's not really enough time, is it? I need a bit more time if I was going to do anything sort of decent or anything different. What could you do between now and then that makes a big difference in, in the world, your wider world even? What could you start? What could you stop? What could you build? What could you, what could you stop? What could you, what could you lose? What could you win? What could you make a difference to? Between now and Wednesday, the 10th of May. And like I say, you're looking at it and thinking, oh, it's May. It doesn't seem very long at all. Time flies, that's why you have to get it in formation. You have to pray and plan. Today we're going to look at the memoir of one of the world's greatest leaders in history to learn how he, in spite of opposition 
in spite of all kinds of things that were around him and the, the things that would have been causing resistance inside of him, against all odds, Nehemiah built, rebuilt the broken walls all around the city of Jerusalem. He replaced its burnt down gates. He made the city strong again and proud again and secure again in record time. And everybody was amazed because it only took 52 days. And then we're going to look at how you and me can learn not just to make a difference, not just to even decide I'd like to make a difference, but actually really do something different in record time in our year of acceleration. Does that sound good? In our year of acceleration, what are you going to do? What's God going to do faster than you might expect or that you might think? But not, like we said at the beginning of the year, but not faster than you might believe because you have to believe it if it's ever going to happen. If you don't believe it'll happen, it won't happen. God wants to increase our RPMs. Our RPMs. And I'm going to skim through the story of Nehemiah, which for some of you will be a way of, way of reminder. And for the rest of you, maybe you've, you've never actually read this story. And in doing so, I'll, I'll introduce you to this guy and I encourage you to find the Bible and read through his story. Because it's one of the, the most fantastic examples of human leadership that you could ever think of. And early on when Esther was talking about um, this, you know, your workplace and how God can use your workplace, well, this is a guy who basically had two jobs and none of them were a priest or a temple maker or anything like that. He started out as a government worker. That was basically what he did. He was a civil servant, a very high up civil servant, a servant of the king. Of, of, a, of a country that wasn't even his own. He was in exile and he, he was a Jewish man, but he'd ended up, he was probably born and raised actually in Iran, in, in uh, we would now call it in Persia. And he ends up working for the king and he rises to the top and it says that he's cupbearer to the king. Now you might think that means waiter, it doesn't mean waiter. The cupbearer for the king would be the guy who was in charge of all the security of the palace. The cupbearer, you see, was the guy who tasted the cup before the king would taste it. And in those days, if you didn't like the king, you didn't vote him out. You couldn't vote him out. The only way you could get him out was to kill him out. And so they would, they would, uh, the previous kings, a number of them had been assassinated. So Nehemiah is in his top high profile security job. And he would have to know all of the intrigue and all of the stories and everything that was going on in the palace about who might be doing what. Because ultimately, when you drink that cup, if it's poisoned or not, you only get one bad day. You only get one day when it didn't go right and you didn't do your job and that's your last day, literally. So he has to be really on form and on top and his life is all about security in the palace. Everything that he does is about security. He's literally, that's his job, that's his life, security. But then something happened that shook him out of that and then he ends up with a different job and actually he became a builder. He became, first of all, an architect, if you like, then a project manager, and then he takes on this incredible work of organising teams and helping people to be able to do something that they didn't think they could do. A whole group of people, and when you read through the story, you find out there's different types of people. None of them are builders either, but he helps them to become builders and build something amazing by the power of his gift of leadership to be able to do that. So I encourage you again to go on Thursday night and say, here's Sir Peter Vardy, 
to go along to this thing because I've heard him speak and he is an unbelievably good leader. I'd also say to you that if you're perhaps a Christian at work and you're thinking, well, I couldn't really get my friends to come along to one of these, bring them on Thursday night to go and hear Sir Peter Vardy, one of the most successful men they'll ever hear who will tell some amazing stories about his business life in a, in a great way and they will admire him. But behind that, they'll also realise he keeps on pointing to the God who's helped him throughout all of his life to be able to have that kind of success. So I really encourage you to bring somebody along with you and to go there on Thursday night. So he, Nehemiah ends up moving out into the purposes of God. How did that happen? J.P. Morgan, another very successful man, said, the first step towards getting somewhere is to decide you're not going to stay where you are. Let's just look at Nehemiah's story and how he came to that point in his life. The memoirs of Nehemiah. It was the month of Kislev. At the time, I was in the palace complex at Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, had just arrived from Judah with some fellow Jews. I asked them about the conditions among the people there who'd survived the exile and about Jerusalem. They told me, the exile survivors who were left in the province are in bad shape. Conditions are appalling. The wall of Jerusalem is rubble. The city gates are in cinders. When I heard this, I sat down and wept and I mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And then he writes out, he tells us the kind of thing that he was praying. He was praying for a long time. So I'm not saying that prayer doesn't matter. He prayed hard. He prayed for a long time. He says, I was cupbearer to the king. It was in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king. At the hour for serving wine, I brought it in and I gave it to the king. I had never looked sad in his presence before. Which is basically, you get the clue from this, that the king is a guy who you have to be happy around. If not, again, it could be your last day. The king asked me, why the long face? You're not sick, are you? Or are you depressed? This made me all the more agitated. I said, long live the king. Why shouldn't I be depressed when the city where all my family is buried is in ruins? And the city gates have been reduced to cinders. The king asked me, so what do you want? 52 days from when the work actually begun, when he got there, Nehemiah had actually rebuilt the walls and put the gates on. It's an incredible thing. Do you think this story can help you in this year of acceleration to get what God wants done, done in your life? I was talking with Manny and Cecile, you might know them, they, they're involved at the moment with, um, with Mersey Bank, a great couple who've come from France. And I was talking to them in the week because they're looking to go back and to maybe plant a church in France. And I was trying to encourage them that I think that might be a good idea. And they said to us, how long do you think it, it, it should be you know, before we start thinking about you know, what it's going to look like to plant a church? And I said, well, you can think as long as you want. The question is, when are you going to get started? Everybody can think about doing all kinds of things. But at some point, you've got to decide, I'm not just going to think about it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to start something. We're going to get started on it. And so many people waste the time that they could be moving ahead in just thinking about it. I've got a friend, James Key, some of you know him. Remember, James would say to me, with regard to recovery ministry, um, people who have been thinking about changing their lives in some big ways, and he, he said that there was there's three seagulls sitting on the end of a pier. One of them decided to fly. How many flew? None of them. Because just deciding to doesn't mean you do. 
So if you have a dream, if God gives you an idea, and he will do, he already has done, you can have a plan in your hand for that quicker than you might think. In fact, tomorrow afternoon, well, tomorrow between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m., as part of these things I'm doing called Transform Leadership, I'm, I'm going to look at this idea in a lot more detail than I can in the limited time that I've got today. But you can come, or, or if you really can't, you can watch it online on the, on the Ivy Facebook page. 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. It's this sequence for project planning. It's the best time management, task management thing I've ever seen. And I've looked at all kinds of them and studied a great deal of them. Because it, it fits well with what Nehemiah did. It actually comes right out of how he operated. And it will fit with you, with the challenge that God puts in front of you, with the task that you're called to. You can do it with all kinds of different things. And in this year of acceleration, RPM is something that you can remember to speed up the processes of God in your life. It stands for Rapid Planning Method. You could write that down. Make a note of it. And also, RPM stands for, helps you to think about the process by which this actually happens. Result, purpose, map. Say it with me. Result, purpose, map. And map stands for Massive Action Plan. Make a note of it. You won't remember it otherwise. You're thinking I won't, I don't need to, I don't need to make a note of it, I'll remember it. You won't, you're wasting my time. I've put a lot of time into this. Please show you're serious, make a note of it, remember it, come back to it. It makes so much difference. If you review this in a week, you're more likely to do something about it. It won't just be, because you know what, I've talked about this recently, the parable of the sower. The birds come and they pick up the word and they'll take it away. And you'll think, what was that? What was that? Some of you hate the sound of this. The reason you're not writing down is because you don't like to plan. You like just, oh, I like just, life just happens to me. How's that going? How's it going really? Others love the sound of it because you love plans. But actually, just because you plan it doesn't mean you're going to do it, does it? I haven't got the time to go into this in depth like I did today. But in leadership and in life, this is a life management tool. If you come along tomorrow, Ivy Didsbury, Ivy Central, between 10 a.m. and 12 p.m., I'll walk through the steps. You could actually bring a project, an idea that God's been giving you that maybe you've been sitting on for ages and you can come and actually plan it out and walk out with a piece of paper that will help you to get it done, not just be thinking about it and talking about it, dreaming about it and wasting everybody else's time with all the stuff that one day you might do. But it's, you're living on Sunday aisle. So many people spend their lives on someday aisle. Someday I'll do this. Someday I'll go there. Someday I'll finish that. Someday I'll start that. And you're wasting the time that God has given you in this one short life, living on someday aisle. It's time to get off someday aisle. This training, I believe, if, if, if we were charging for it in the business world, it would cost thousands of pounds to be able to get this. And you get it free because you're part of this church. And it comes right out of God's wisdom in the Bible in terms of what Nehemiah did. So, so he had a plan. And he worked the plan. Result. What specific result am I committed to seeing happen by, well, by when? That's the first thing. Purpose. Why? Why is this not just a should or a could, but a must? And then I map my actions out. 
what do I need to do now? And then what do I need to do then? And what do I need to do next in order to get me to there, to the place that God has for me? And why is this important? Because you can never hit a target that you don't know what you're aiming at. Too many unhappy people look around at life with no clue how, where they're going or even actually how did I end up here? And they, they ended up here because of the decisions and the directions that they were headed in. And so if you want a different destination, you need to change your decisions and your direction, don't you? It's the same if you're in a car or whatever else you're doing in your life. And so many people are waiting for God to do something to change it all and or wait, you know, circumstances to change and they're waiting for everything to happen for them and around them. But God's got so much more for you than just happenstance and accident. He is a God of purpose. When I, when I connected to Jesus Christ, he gave me a life lived on purpose. He gave me a purpose-filled life with some things that he wants me to do during this time to get me ready for the life that he's got ahead of me in the future too. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life in all of its fullness. Not just reacting, not living by accident, but living on purpose. So how are you? Are you accelerating into the purposes of God or are you just sort of drifting? Honestly. Are you just like a bit of wood floating about on the water of life? Or is life just happening to you? How does anybody make the changes to make the most of life to do something increasingly significant? That's what I want my life to look like. I want my life to be a life of increasingly significant contribution. More and more and more, more and more and more and more. I don't want it to tail off. How does it happen? If you wanted to go and build a house, would you just go and get a whole bunch of bricks and wood and glass or whatever and put it in a pile? No. You'd, you'd get an architect or you'd, you'd do something about planning it out in advance beforehand. You would, actually, you would see the house. An architect would see the house designed in their head, then put it on paper, and then it would happen in actuality. So you start out with a big vision. This is where you always have to start. You see, it's built in here first. It's seen in here first before it's ever seen out there. Result. What do I want? What is the outcome Specifically, what are the results I want to achieve? What was it for Nehemiah? Well, he heard the call. His brother and some other guys come back from Jerusalem and they report the state of the city. The problem is this. People are in distress. The walls are destroyed. The gates are down. Now, that's the problem. But anybody can talk about the problem. Lots of people, that's all they ever do. They just moan about the problem. That doesn't make it better, does it? His brother talks about the problem. You don't get any solution just by talking about the problem. Why are you always talking about the problem? It's not helped in the past. It isn't going to help in the future. Actually, you can end up with a a lot more problems if all you ever do is talk about the problems. Is this true? We don't like to hear it, but we know it's true. What was the result Nehemiah and God wanted? See, I, I always try and talk and pray and plan in terms of a positive outcome. What's it going to look like restored? What's it going to look like when, because our God is the God of all hope, what happens if he gets started on something? Because complaining about the walls and the gates won't put them back. Describing the mess doesn't make it better. What's the result? I'm talking about the vision. I'm talking about what Nehemiah sees, the preferred future, the solution and the time frame that he 
has in mind for it. I believe he must have had the time frame. To get it done so fast, he must have had an idea. I think he put a date on it. I see the walls of Jerusalem rebuilt beautifully with the gate, new gate, back in place and locked and secure. And inside, the people of God are celebrating and having a party to thank God because it's done on the 25th of Elul, which is August. That was the vision. Now, I've been trained in all kinds of different management things and Franklin Covey um, courses, which are brilliant. They always start with the same thing. Seven habits of highly effective people. Number one, start with the end in mind. See it first, how it's going to be by the time it's finished. You have to get very specific about that. Seeing it accomplished, you describe the direction and the destination see the result for me as a church leader I do this all the time if I'm thinking about starting new church plants if I'm thinking about encouraging people with regard to leadership uh, every time I set out a sermon series or even a talk I'm intentional what are we trying to build here as a community what kind of disciples is it that we're trying to create here at Ivy none of that's just random how do we grow together as a community to fulfill all of God's purposes for us here at Ivy Whenever I've written books, I have RPM plans roughed out for two more at the moment. The fuel events like on Friday, where I'm talking about navigating your way around the Bible and how to find your way around it will help us. It's not just random. It isn't just accident. There's a plan in all of that. You can apply this to your work, to your relationships, to your marriage, if you're married, to your finances. Even if at the moment it just looks like rubble with a bunch of smoking gates sitting on top of it, what would it look like restored? Yeah. What's it going to look like when it's all better? Because our God is in the restoration business, isn't he? Amen. Our God's all about restoration. Sunday evenings, I'm doing this series about the kingdom of heaven. Come along. It, we're talking about tonight about there's a new heaven or a new earth. God's going to restore it all and he wants you to live there, here, restored place, as a restored person forever and ever and ever. That's his plan. He has an end in mind for you. God has got an end in mind for you. He's never going to forget that or let go of it. God's in the restoration business. So result, write down a positive result. So I, I was thinking, what do I want? I know what I've got. And it's like a stone more than I want it to be, at least. Maybe a stone and a half. I want it to be about 15 stone, no, a bit less than that. But I still wanted to be able to, at the gym, lift some weights. Because I was enjoying doing that. I wanted to be, and I had a, but the problem was I had a clear length, we've got a, a full length mirror in the bedroom. And that wasn't showing me what I wanted. <laughs> every morning. So you write it down. What's the, I will start a local food bank to help people in my neighbourhood by the end of September. I will raise £20,000 for those starving people in East Africa for DEC by, by whatever date. I will do it. You, 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 you don't just think, oh, wouldn't it be great if something... Oh, it's poor, poor people. What's going to happen? Who will do something? You can. Yeah. Come on. You can do it. If you see the result. Next thing, purpose. Why is this a must? Why is this not just a, oh, that would be nice, or somebody should? 
Because it's great to have an idea. It's great to, to you know, have, a, have a feeling about something should change or be different. But what happens is our feelings actually stop us too. Because you get started down that journey and then you're doing something and then you, you know what? I don't feel like it anymore. Isn't that the problem? I felt like I was going to do it, but now I don't feel like it. I felt like I should be losing weight. And, but you know what? It's raining out and I don't want to put my trainers on and get wet. So I'll stay as I am. I don't feel like it. What do you need to get through those feelings? I'll tell you. You need bigger feelings, bigger reasons that will push you through. You need a bigger why than all the why nots. Because the why nots will hold you back. You'll always have a list of why nots. You need some bigger whys. The reason that you didn't break through before is because you didn't feel like it. Stopping something felt too hard. Starting something felt too hard. You didn't feel like spending the time practicing that instrument. You didn't feel like making the call. You didn't feel like starting to write the book. Winston Churchill said, how do you write a book? First of all, get some glue, put it on a chair, then sit in the chair. Do you, do you think from what we read that Nehemiah was looking forward? Do you think he felt like standing before the most powerful man in the whole world and saying to him with a sad face, I'd like a few years off, a shed load of treasure, permission to go away for a long time and some bodyguards to take me and some letters off you? No, but you know what? He had a stronger, a stronger why than all the why nots. Look, when he heard the news, he says, I sat down and wept for many days. I fasted and prayed. Does anything get you like that anymore? Does anything, is there anything going on in the world right now that, that you kind of go, oh, that just shouldn't be like that? Don't anesthetize that feeling. Don't let it stop. In fact, a person who's going to make a difference would stoke that fire. They would let the why become so much bigger than all the why nots. It would be intolerable to them not to do so. Is there a need? Is there a place? Is there a people? Is there something you just can't stand it being like it is? I remember hearing years ago, somebody said, the reason we don't heal like Jesus is that we don't feel like Jesus. The reason we don't heal like Jesus is that we don't feel like Jesus. Jesus would look at a crowd. He wouldn't just see individuals. He says his heart went out and he had compassion on them. Something was stirred up in his guts on the inside of him. That's what drove him to come from heaven to earth to be our rescuer. Now, does that same love do anything in you? The Apostle Paul, he said, the love of Christ compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. It's like, I can't not do this. It doesn't matter how much I get persecuted. It doesn't matter how many times I've been stoned and flogged and spat on. The love of Christ compels me. I've got to do it. I've got no choice. The way to beat the emotions that dampen the enthusiasm when you don't feel like doing it is to stoke the fire of the emotions that desire change. You need a bigger why attached to the result. So you don't just put the, re the result, you put the reason. You put the reasons, you list them why this has to happen. Because we're all motivated by pain and pleasure. We want to avoid pain and we want pleasure. So what you have to do is associate more pain with things staying the same and more pleasure with, it, with change happening. Otherwise, you'll be controlled by the pleasure of the donuts. 
that end up making you look like one. So after the result, you get clear and you write out the reasons why this is a must. Not just a should. That's what took Nehemiah out of the comfort zone, into the danger zone, and then into the adventure. Out of the palace and into the purposes of God. See, the king noticed Nehemiah's sad face because of the situation. He couldn't hide what was going on in the inside of him. And when he asked why, Nehemiah was ready. He described the reason why he had to act. He said, why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Notice his reason is all in that, isn't it? This reason is there. The reason why he's doing it. He cared so much. People who care, dare. Would you repeat that? People who care, dare. People who care enough, dare enough. Only those who care enough, dare enough to make a difference. They found their reason. So I found myself a couple of times walking upstairs and it was a few flights and I'd huff and puff a little bit. And I was like, this isn't right. I went on this machine, they have this machine at the gym and it said, it sends all these electronic things through you and it gives you a reading and all that and I did it and it said that he has like works out your age and it said you're 52 and I'm 52 and I should have been like well I'm 52 I don't want to be 52 inside I didn't want to be just like 52 I was like I'm gonna things are gonna change but it it didn't matter to be honest with you but I was praying about it that much because I knew God was telling me to do some things about it it wasn't acceptable to me I was still in shape it was just the wrong shape. My old suit, I couldn't fit in it. My trousers, I kept getting an extra hole in the belt and all of that. And it's like, that's, a, that's another way you can deal with stuff, isn't it? But no, I, I, I thought something's got to change. The purpose question is, a, why is this a must for me? And finally, you need a map. You need a massive action plan. And a map is not a to-do list. The first book I ever wrote was called The Don't Have To Do List because I'm convinced that a to-do list is very often the worst possible way to get anything that needs done, done. You just end up reacting to the next thing on the list and you feel like you've accomplished a few things because you ticked a few things off. But what if those things don't even matter? A map is a plan to get you where you need to be. That's why you need a map. Once you have the result that you want to see attached to a purpose, the reasons why this has to happen, then and only then you start to map out, you brainstorm all of the actions, all of the ways in which it could happen, all the things that could help to make it work. You write loads of them down, all kinds of actions, things that you could do or would do, and then you organise them into a series of steps. First of all, I need to do this, then I'll do that, then I'll do that, and just, just a few get you on the journey, on the way, and then the map unfolds as you're doing it. And you keep on going and you follow the map. And if you follow the map and you don't stop, guess what? You get there. My massive action plan included loads of different ways of exercising that would progressively get harder. I read a bunch of books because I love that. I listened to podcasts from all kinds of experts. I got a deal off a personal trainer who was was like a professional boxer. He got me doing some stuff. I was feeling good. I was like on the right track. And then what happened? Oh, we bought some bikes. Me and Zoe were going out on bikes. I was feeling great. Then I came off the bike. Bust my shoulder, bust my collarbone and on my neck. And, and I was like, this is a mess. What am I going to do? But do you know what? My result was not ride a bike. My result was not punch a, a, a punch bag. My result was don't look like Mr. Blobby. 
That was what I was aiming for. So those things were things that I would do towards the aim in the end. So I adjusted. I went swimming. <laughs> kind of. And I kept on doing it. And eventually, the shoulder went better over time. And I could do things that I couldn't do. I didn't do what I couldn't do, but I did what I could do. And I kept on doing what I could do, and I found I could do more. This is how it always works. It was painful. I was weak. I looked. I didn't look like this. You know, I was like this guy in the corner. He got all these big bench guys doing. I'm like, I've got two, I've got a thing that looks like a straw with two digestive biscuits on, and I'm kind of going, like this with it. But I didn't stop. Because I wanted to be able to run fast. I didn't want to have a bad back. I didn't want to just be some kind of, you know, a middle-aged guy just settling. I didn't want to do that. I kept on going. And result, as it turns out, it's been over a year, but I've lost over a stone. And I can lift weights that I couldn't lift in my 20s. And when I went on the machine recently, stood on it, it says, I'm 36. I'm just saying, it didn't happen. It didn't just happen. I look at what Nehemiah did, what he achieved, and I think he must have had a map. He must have had a massive action plan. He had a reason, he had a purpose, and he made a map to get in there. So, and I'll tell you why. It's because of what he said. When, when the king said to him, so what do you want? He was ready. What is it you want? I prayed again to the Lord of heaven, and then I answered the king. He said, I want to go to Jerusalem. Here's how long I need to be away for. I need letters of authorization from you written out to the following people. I need soldiers to give me protection. I need another letter to go to this guy who's going to give me all the materials that I need to be able to build a house for me and the walls and rebuild the temple. Please. He knew it. He had it mapped out in here what he was going to need to do. He knew the names of the people who would oppose him. I believe he'd already written his responses to what would happen and what he would say when they said it because every time he said the same thing in reply to them. Do you know what he said? He said, I'm doing a great work for God and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work for God. I cannot come down. I'm not coming down to your level. And he decided to just keep going. Even though they had opposition, when people came and tried to attack them and stop them from doing it, he gave the people a trowel in one hand and a sword in the other. Isn't that a brilliant picture? Keep working, and if you need to fight, fight for it. Yeah. He, 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 went to the, he went to the walls. He saw how broken down they were for himself, but he didn't despair because he could see them rebuilt and he could see the party that was going to go on at the end of it when the gates were on and all the people in there celebrating. So he invited some other people to be part of the team. He said, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins its gates have been burned with fire come let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in, in disgrace and then he gave people specific jobs on the wall next to them next to them next to them he knew who was where doing what he had it all mapped out and in 52 days from when they got started they had a party they celebrated with the, with the gates on all closed. And that, my friends, is great leadership. You need to be clear about the what, the result. You need to be super clear about the why, the purpose, the reason it has to happen. And then you need a map. 
how to get there. And if you join me tomorrow, if you can, between 10 and 12 at Ivy Central, you can bring a project, walk through something that you need to get done and God's been calling you to do, maybe for a long time. Bring a pen and a paper and let's see some walls built up. Let's see some gates in place. Would you stand now if you're able and the band are going to come up at this point too? Because it doesn't have to be 52 days from now. That's not what's most important. That was just a number. What matters for you is that you do the things God's called you to do. And last, last week I was praying and it was the end of it. I was getting ready to go do a talk and I said, Lord, is there anything extra you want me to say? And uh, God said this to me. He said, There's two, the two most important days for anybody are when day and why day. When day and why day. What's that? And I was praying about it. It was like when day is the day when you give your life to Jesus Christ. And why day is the day when you find out why. A lot of people, you might have, you might have ha- never had your when day. You've never had a day when you can say, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Today can be your when day. And your why day, you'll never, find, you'll never have your why day until you've had your when day. You'll never find out why you're alive until you know when. The day when you gave your life to Jesus. Because he'll help you to be able to discover your why. So for some people today, it's your Wednesday. In a minute, I'm going to invite you to stick up a hand. It might just be one or two people, and I'll pray with you, saying, today, make this to me my Wednesday. This is the day when I come back to God. This is the day when I decide to follow you. But before that, there's some other people. I want you to be, get ready to move, because actually you realise that you might have had a Wednesday. You know when you gave your life to Jesus, but you're not really sure why. Or maybe you forgot. And as we've been speaking today, you kind of forgot what, what your why day was for. What's the reason? And the purposes of God that he's got for you. And, um, and that God would move you out of your comfort zone. As part of that, as a response to that, because Nehemiah had to move, I'm going to invite you to move even if you're at the back and to come down the front and just kneel at the front and offer it all back to God. God wants to give you a challenge and a chance to build something. He wants to show you some reasons that he's got on his heart, some things that break his heart. He wants you to be able to help with. So if that's you, please come down the front now. I'd love to pray for you if he's been speaking to you and you're kind of feeling like yeah I want to move out of the comfort zone into the faith place I want to invite you to come down at the front and just kneel at the front and, as we worship and, uh, and we'll seek God so that's people who yeah I've had a when day I just need a why day I need my why from God could you come down the front we'll, we'll pray here Thank you, Lord, that your call is a personal one. We, we want this to be birthed in prayer. We recognise, Lord, that it's got to come from you. We're not just trying to be activists who get on and do stuff. We want to be led by you in everything. So, yeah, come down the front. It's just good to put legs on your faith and to, to get moving. You know, God wants to move us out into the world to do stuff for him. So for you, this, this is a, if it's a why thing, you just need to get that why from God. And maybe you've already got it, you just need clarity about it. Get really clear about the, the call of God. Put your hand on your heart. This is where he does the work. Some people here, you've got so, God's got so many whys for you. He's, he's, he just loves you and he, and he can trust you. And he, he wants to share loads of, loads of his problems loads of his things that are going on in the world that, and a lot of that is to do with people it's broken people 
And um, so a couple of things I just feel is some people, and maybe you can still come down and pray. And maybe it's because it's broken people and God, that just gets you on the inside. And you, you're like, a, I want to be one of those who's a restorer of broken people. And, uh, and offer yourself in doing that. And God will see that heart and he'll use you to restore people. And others, it's just this real practical, you're like a practical person. You're in church a lot and sometimes you see people, you know, but you're like, I'm, a, I'm actually a project person and when's gonna, God gonna use my gifts and skills? I'll tell you when, when you fully offer them to him. When you, when you don't just make it, well, I'll give God a bit of a leftover. When you give it all to him, then you're going to see how much he can do for you. And so some people, I feel like you've, you've perhaps been holding back from giving him everything in your workplace. It's like, yeah, I'll come to church, I'll do that, but I'm not, I'm not really ready yet. When are you going to be ready? And you need to come and just offer everything to him, all of your future, all of the plans that he has, your business, your, uh, your workplace. Just give it all to him. And say, so you can move me if you want. You can do what you want. He took Moses, he took uh, Nehemiah straight out of that palace and into, into a different project that he had for him. Just give God permission for that. Anybody else want to respond to this? Just come down the front now. And as we're standing, like I say, there's some other people and you've never had the when day. You've never had the day you've given your life fully to Jesus. Could just be one person. I'd love to pray for you. We'll give you a free book that helps you to understand that I've written what this is about. Stick up a hand so I can see you. Today, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want today to be the day when I give my life to Jesus. If that's you, can I pray for you? Anybody? Okay, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to sing this altar song, and I think after that we'll be ready for people to go, and especially if they want the youngsters to go and get the babies, go and get the kids. But let's just uh, have this altar moment. And if perhaps prayer team could just come and lay a hand on people, I'm going to be doing that, just praying a hand, laying a hand on somebody's shoulder and praying in agreement for them that He's so is going to use you, you know? He's so going to use you. He's so going to use you. You're like, oh, I don't know how He can use me. Just wait and see. He's going to give you that vision and dream and clarity. Just ask, Lord, and right in this moment, remind us of these things that are on your heart. The gaps in the wall, the gates that are burned, the people that are just so broken. And Lord, we offer ourselves. Just use that simple two-word prayer, use me. Say that out loud, use me. He will. Use me, Lord. If you can use anybody, you can use me. Throughout history, you've just used people who've offered themselves to you. So I'm offering myself to you now, Lord. I'm not much except with you and your power and your Holy Spirit inside of me. Then mountains can move. No opposition can stand against the plans and purposes of God. believe now the Holy Spirit is coming and he's he's bursting new things in us all around the room all in this place I think some of the young people it's interesting that your youth stayed in I just want to say some of the young people 
don't wait. Don't you don't have to wait a long time for your why. You don't have to. You don't have to wander off and 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 get into all kinds of mess like some of your friends and some of your the other people that you know. You see them and they're kind of discovering who they are by by sin. No, that's getting lost. You, you, you're not going to find yourself by getting lost. You need to find yourself by finding Jesus again. Coming back to that first love, maybe it's, there's some young people here and I get a sense of somebody like you're 18 at the moment and, and when you were 13, 14, you would have been down here, you would have been singing, but now you're getting a bit too cool for school and you're like, I don't know if I do all of that anymore and I think maybe I'm gonna go off and I'll do my own thing and maybe one day I'll come back. I'm not gonna stray too far away. A lot of people end up thinking that and regretting it. You're never gonna find yourself by losing yourself come back if you've taken one if you've taken 10 steps away it's one step back just right now come back to Jesus fully on fire for him say Lord I want to be an example I want to be a leader I don't want to be a follower I don't just want to be somebody who follows along with a crowd I want to be one that the crowd follows because I'm following you I want to be a person of influence I want to be somebody whose life makes a difference get on fire for Jesus it's the best way to live and if that's you and God's been speaking to you please come down the front I'd love to pray for you because God's been speaking to you and it's, it's so important you respond. Sing about that altar. Altar of God, laying our lives down before Him. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.